Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Show and Go podcast. My name is Blake Anderson. I'm your host. I am a two-time Ranked Seasons uh, World Series member. It's an exclusive club and an even more exclusive club, the 12-0 Battle Royale Club. I've made it once. I'm a champion. I know how to win. And uh, I've got my two co-hosts here with me. What's up, guys? I'm Anthony. I'm the newest to the game. Uh, I'm Ryan. I've been playing since 15, and I still haven't found the hand that goes up Coach's butt. I'm looking for it. It's right. it's um, I'm pretty sure they it's rumored to be found in the um, what was it the queue from MLB 17 where all the games oh, went? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's where the games went. Yeah, they're they're all in some vault somewhere. Yeah. One day my record will be much better in MLB 18. Right. What once they drop all those games that got yeah, uh, DQ'd? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I log in every day and check. Yep, yep. All right. Didn't understand that reference, but let's move on. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody who played in 17 will understand. Like, half the... There was a point in the season where, like, half the games you played just wouldn't count, and it it said your game was missing in the queue or something like that. And... uh, Even Conquest games. Yeah, any game. Not just online games. Against the computer, and you'd have to wait two minutes... Count. yeah and there was like people were trying to figure out how to like counter it they were like oh if you if you wait at the at the um at the final score screen for 3.6 seconds and then you click x it's, and it's like all right core gameplay mechanics right what, what makes me keep coming back to the show oh definitely i mean 17 was kind of a shit show the first like couple months but after that it was smooth sailing i love that game but yeah, first couple months were rough. Anyways, um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the um, Baseball Writers Association Awards, um, some trivia questions, and we're going to get into our favorite finest cards and some other MLB The Show content. Let's just go off with some uh, news that we found out today. What do you got, Ryan? Mike Clevenger, out for next year, Tommy John. Yep. Uh, I mean, you saw... He, he was struggling with injury in the postseason and, you know, maybe UCL damage. The Indians knew something that the Padres weren't as focused on when they traded him. And they were just thinking about this year and not really totally sure of the medical situation. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Anthony? Um, I think it's interesting that they signed him to a two-year deal knowing he's going to have that Tommy John. Um, I feel like I'm not surprised though by it because I feel like he when he got there he was up there with Lamette as almost being that their their ace and he just absolutely shoved all year especially once he got to San Diego so I'm not surprised that they went all in they're staying with the team that they have now they just want to run it back but obviously when Clevenger gets back but yeah it just shows that they're all in that they signed him and they're ready to try and beat the Dodgers once he's healthy. <laughs> And I think if there was any hope that they did have a chance to beat the Dodgers next year, that's gone with Clevenger. They need to make a big ad in free agency, Absolutely. preferably a pitcher, especially losing Yates in the back end of their bullpen. Not that he was there all this year, but it'll be tough. Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't see the Padres being uh, as competitive if they don't make another move because of uh, – 
they I, they kind of remind me of the Angels. Like the lineup usually has some solid guys, and it's fun to watch. But then when it comes down to the rotation and the bullpen, it's just not not going to get it done. One and guy so that has to step up is Chris Paddock. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Finally, develop into the player that they thought he was going to be, and that the time for that is now, especially with Pat uh, Clevenger being out. Right, because at everybody's best, you could have Lamette, Clevenger, Paddock, and then add an arm, and you've got like a solid rotation. But yeah. I mean, with Clevenger missing all of next year, you have to wait till you have to wait two years to get that, and then you're also like, I mean, the team could be completely different in two years. It happens, you know. So right. I I do think it's interesting, but I mean, I, I do like the move though. With that being said, just because. They could have just said, like, nah, and not re-sign Clevenger, and then he might be kind of screwed because he's probably just going to have to wait a year. Yeah. And uh, usually those guys coming back from injury where they haven't played in a long time, um, they have a tough time getting that, like, solid contract back. So at least he's getting paid right. for sure. He knows where he's going to be, and he can focus on rehabbing. Yeah. I mean, look at Cindergard, for example. He went out at the beginning of 2020 when they said that the season was going to be on hold, and... I actually sent Ryan a video the other day of um, Syndergaard back on the mound already pumping what I would imagine is in the 80s, low 80s. So he looks like he's going to be back and hopefully back to his normal self, but yeah. Is that the video where he's all like lubed up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That shit was so funny. I was like, I was like, what is going, what am I watching? I mean, I like it, but I was like, what, what am I, what is going on? Yeah, because I I couldn't tell how hard he was throwing it. It did. It definitely didn't look like he was. It wasn't his normal no. high 90s, but I would definitely say he was like pumping low eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'd have to imagine that he'll be out there at the beginning of spring training. Absolutely. Yeah, I would. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, he's got like four or five months to keep going, and if he's already in the eighties, I mean, he'll be fine come spring training. Hopefully, right. barring any setbacks. Um. Yeah thing though is if he's going to be able to sustain high velocity for five six innings eventually down the road yeah that he's uh he's a tough one too because he's you know almost not quite like glass now but he's a hard thrower uh probably not going to go deep into games though um still going to give up some earned runs and uh that's going to be hard to control especially if the Mets are trying to contend I mean, they were talking, Anthony, you brought this up. They were talking about um, JT Romuto or, like, they're uh, in the ballgame with Francisco Lindor. Like, they're they're looking to make some big moves with that new ownership, and I, I get that. But, I mean, how close are they? I, I don't I don't think they're super are, close. I think people are overreacting to the new ownership and that they're willing to make moves. I don't think that if they make these moves, that automatically puts them – in contention spot just because i feel like that division can be really competitive but that definitely said, the braves are already the braves were one game away from being in the world series and i wouldn't have put if they made it i wouldn't have put it past them to be able to beat the rays by any means and then the phillies are the phillies are a toss-up i don't want to call them contenders when their bullpen had the highest era of all time but there are a few pitchers away in their bullpen from being competitive i think and i think I don't know the Nationals. I don't know either. I think they're they're gonna have a bounce back year, but who knows? That's just a competitive division. I think people are overreacting to the the Mets being good. Yeah, the Marlins made the playoffs. 
playoffs. Yeah, the Marlins made the playoffs too. So that that division's up for grabs, honestly, other than the Braves. I think the Braves have that division for the next couple of years. I think the Mets have to make some serious moves to really want that. Yeah, they have a good start on their rotation with the Stroman accepting the qualifying offer. He's a rock yeah. there. But and if pretty Real, expensive. If Real Muto does go to the Mets, that takes a lot away from the Phillies too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think sh- I I was kind of surprised he took the qualifying offer. I thought he might um, look for something longer, but I, so too. I think he probably just wanted to be able to prove himself and and really go for a deal that he was comfortable with. I I don't know. All right, um, switching gear. Can we talk about Trevor Bauer? Yeah, of yep. course. Anytime. Where do you think he's gonna go? All right, my. I, I really okay this might be sort of a want versus a, like what I think is gonna happen but I, I really hope that he ends up in like Anaheim or something um whether it's a one I, I don't think they would sign him to a one-year deal like he he kept mentioning earlier um did you see on Twitter the bet though that he had about one-year deals yeah I saw that and I I think he's just gonna have to get shot in the nuts with a paintball gun like I I, I think he overstepped his uh reach there a little bit I mean that's going to be so like, I, I think anybody would get tired of doing one year deals and like, yeah, I mean, you're hurting your value once you get what past like 30. I mean, if you're lucky, like 32, 33, like if you want like something longer, I I think it's, you're guaranteeing money at the back end of your career. And by doing those one year deals, I think you're kind of taken away from that. But, um, I mean, at, on the flip side, you could always be contending, going to a team that might win if that's what you want to do. Um, True, it's a good point. But um, uh, hopefully, I I want him on the Angels though. I think that he would be a um, he'd obviously be their ace, and if they could add one to two rotation arms and then improve the bullpen a little bit, I would love to see Mike Trout in the playoffs again. But that's just me. That's fair, coming from. Two A's fans, I like to speak for Ryan here. <laughs> I would not like to see him on the Angels. Hate, I would hate that. <laughs> um, a team I would like to see him on would be a team like the Braves. I think he would carry that that team to a to a World Series, I think, because they have that young talent in the lineup like Albies and Acuna. And then I just feel like they have some veteran guys too, and I just think with that rotation, he'd obviously be their ace. He'd be an ace on most teams, that being said. But I just think that a team like the Braves would really um, benefit from a guy like Trevor Bauer the most. Yeah, they definitely have some uncertainty in the rotation with Hamels. I don't know he's, if he's under contract for next year, but even still, he's almost 38, pushing 40. I saw that they lost uh, Smiley. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Two. And then Soroka had the ACL. It's unclear. When he's coming back, ACL or Achilles? Do you know? I thought it was his Achilles. I thought it was Achilles. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then Freed, he he did really well this year, but you don't really know how proven he is. Along with Anderson, who kind of blew up in the playoffs. Yeah, has the tickets, just can't get through onto the field. He just Upper couldn't get through. Tickets. He just couldn't get through security, dude. He had too many guns, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. I think that uh, I think that there's a lot of places where Trevor Bauer just instantly makes the team like either a playoff contender or just way more fun to watch. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I said, though, I think 
even if he signs a one-year deal this year, I don't, I can't see him doing that the rest of his career. I just, that that's going to be really hard to manage, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it really makes financial sense unless he starts doing like one, a one-year deal for like 30 or $40 million. <laughs> then it's like, okay, maybe, you know? Uh, I was reading something though. Cause you know, he does, he has his own, like his own brand and media brand with him too. Right. Yeah. And I think, He's going to keep that with him no matter where he goes. I think that's a big thing to him. I heard reports that saying that the Yankees wouldn't want him to carry that if he was to go to the Yankees. Like, Yankees management wouldn't want him to have that with him. Yeah, if if any team was going to have a problem with Bauer managing his own uh, YouTube channel, media company, and, like, changing the game it's going to be the fucking yankees like they're they are not going to put up with that right you're not allowed to grow a beard like and they're and you think they're going to let you have a youtube channel like no shot no shot so i and honestly he just doesn't seem like a a yankees guy he doesn't seem like like the i I don't see him fitting that like he would make the team better but i just it doesn't fit him or his personality you know what i mean yeah and as much as they talked about the beef with Garrett Cole being past them, that's probably in part because they've been away for so long. Mm-hmm. Putting them back together as teammates like they were in UCLA, that's some butting heads. And right. Cole I, I and hear... Bauer both have big egos and would get paid big time. Yeah. Right. I think both of them want to be an ace and... You know whether I've heard di- I, I've heard that there's beef. I've heard them both say that there isn't beef, and then it's like, are you just saying that to be polite in public? Like, what? <laughs> I, it's just, they they both seem like uh, big personalities that want to be at the top of the rotation. So Definitely. having them on the same team might not be the smartest thing, but who knows? You know. Um, yeah, and I just think Bauer being more of an outspoken guy sharing his opinion on stuff, whether it's negative or positive. I don't think, like, the, Yankee, the Yankees would really like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like they would rather just have someone that's going to come in, do their work, and that's all they really do. Props to them, though, for uh, letting one player continue his brand. Um, Bill, uh, Brett Gardner has done amazing with uh, the Mr. Clean line. It's just phenomenal. He, he's set up for the rest of his life. Yeah, and, like... It's just interesting that they make the exception for Gardner, you know, because like, I, I you know, rumor has it that Ellsbury got to New York and then uh, he tried to grow facial hair and, you know, he wanted to do this whole new beard thing uh, and, and they just like, he's gone, just never played again. You know what I mean? That's what happens when you defy the Yankees. Like I mean, evil empire is quite literally evil. They also... They also gave Gardner his own TV show about his childhood, Caillou. <laughs> I, you know, I, I thought that was a documentary and I, I knew it. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. the animation no. threw me Gardner. off. Caillou is just code for Brett Gardner in another language. Well, cause it's cause his, no, it's, it's cause his name's uh, Brett Caillou Gardner. It's his middle name. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, in that show though, he's like a little baby and that finally came out of Brett Gardner's adult personality when he banged the dugout with the bat. Well, see, I think that's what a, I think that's a, I think that's a common misconception is that in in Caillou, he's supposed to be the same age he is now. It's just <laughs> the the kid look is just for an animation like metaphor type of deal. So, I you know, it's 
it, it's an interesting situation, but props for the Yankees for letting it fly, you know? Yeah, classy organization. <laughs> Definitely. Unlike Boston. Oh, man, Alex Cora. Alex Cora. I mean, okay. Okay, it's one thing. He was caught cheating in Houston. Okay, that's cool. He leaves Houston, becomes a manager at Boston. Okay, fresh start. He's immediately caught in a cheating scandal. Uh, that... Okay. That one was also... So it's a coincidence that the only two cheating scandals that have led to suspensions and fines and stuff in the past few years have both been led by a team with Alex Cora in them. Okay, my... My here here's my answer to that. Um, my patriot, uh, my patriots, not patriot, patriots, uh, upbringing has told me no comment. But I'm gonna make a comment. I'm gonna make a comment. You know, because this isn't the Patriots. This is the Red Sox. Um, I, I'll play devil's advocate here for a little bit. I think that no, it's not a coincidence that both teams that got caught had Alex Cora on them. What I do think is that. There's definitely more teams that have been doing the same sorts of things that did not get caught. And I'm not necessarily talking about the Astros with the trash can banging. I'm talking more of using the replay room to like decode signs after a game because this is a common misconception. Uh, The Red Sox did not have signs being relayed to them in real time. They might have tried that with the Apple Watches and John Farrell, but it didn't work. So that's long gone. And then with the Alex Cora thing, they weren't having signs relayed in real time. They were just using the replay room to decode signs. So, oh, cool. so they were just cheating in a different way. Exactly. In a, in a more morally acceptable way, in my opinion. And additionally, there were minor league players and other uh, journalists, even in the article that blew up or kind of blew up the Astros scandal. They mentioned that the Yankees and Dodgers got caught for doing the same thing. But the problem is, is that the the league caught the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Red Sox looking at signs through the replay room, right? And then after 2017, they said, you guys can't do this anymore. Or, I may be messing up the timeline here because I'm just reciting it from memory, but there was a certain point where they, they realized what they were doing and there were there was no rule against it because the replay room was relatively new, and so they said you guys can't do this. They sent out the memo to all the GMs and all the managers and told them make sure nobody in your organization is doing this, or you're all going to get punished. Right, and so uh, lo and behold, uh, Alex Cora tried it again because you know, hey, we all don't like change. It it happens, man. Sometimes you just get into that muscle memory of. Hey, I, you know, we're kind of struggling. Let me go check the replay room and see what's going on. You know, it, it, everybody does it. Some people just use it in a smarter way, you know, and, uh, it happened and it's gone. You know, I mean, honestly, the, the other thing too, was that the suspension that he served was for what he did with the Astros. You know, he never, they never charged, charged him per se, for uh, what came out of the Red Sox investigation, which took like a long ass time, by the way, because I don't think they found anything that they thought people would really care about. So, I mean, that's sort of my perspective. Also, I really didn't want to talk about this. Uh, 
there's like a caveat where the players in the Astros scandal who came forward and told the truth were granted immunity and only coaches and executives could be punished. So sure, Alex Cora, AJ Hinge, and what was his name? Jeff Lunau, all, all gone, all fired. But how much like, how much are we blaming the coaches? Because I feel like if we're really blaming Alex Cora, like it's like we're not even paying attention to the people who actually cheated, like the players. And I mean, and it's really interesting that Alex Cora came out as the mastermind uh, of the whole Astros thing after he had already left the organization. Like, it's entirely possible that they're like, we're just throwing him under the bus, you know? I mean, it's, he's the only person that left after that. So I, I don't know, man. It's, it's a lot of possibilities, a lot of conspiracy theories, you know? But one thing we can count on is the integrity of the league, you know? That's it that's that's what baseball's known for, you know. Just Ron Manfred stays undefeated. He that's does. All I'll say. He does. He's never taken an L. Baseball nope. has been completely pure for its hundred more than hundred year existence. Yep. And, you know, it, the Hall of Fame reflects that. So let's just keep it that way, you know? Speaking of the Hall of Fame, let's move into the ballot. Oh, yeah, the super underwhelming ballot where we got our top three guys of, what was it, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. Yep, Miguel Tejada was snubbed. Uh, See, would he get any votes, <laughs> No, but he was snubbed from the ballot. Yeah. Well, Grady Sizemore was left off, and I was waiting for Fuzzy's, like, Twitter thread, like, ranting about why he deserved to be on. And, you know, unfortunately, I haven't seen that yet. So I'm hoping it comes soon. So of the uh, of the guys that are on their first year on the ballot, do you guys have any, like, picks that are absolute locks to get in? I have yeah. a record. Huh? None of them. None of them? Yeah. I agree. I, I agree. I, it sucks to say, but it's a little bit underwhelming, I think. It, it is. It definitely is. I think so, this... There's a chance nobody gets in. No one? Yeah. I think this is the year for Schilling to get in. Really? Yes. Because you'll have guys who still put 10 people on their ballot every year. Yeah. Do you think every single one of those people would put Schilling as one of those names? Does Todd Helton get in this year? No. No. He'll move closer, but he won't get in. What about uh, what about how close? I don't think he gets in, but how close does Barry Bonds get? What was his percentage last year? Like low seventies, like seventy two point seven. Wait, sixty. Sixty point seven. Oh, Clemens was at sixty one. Schilling at seventy. Yeah, I th- I agree with you. I think Schilling is. This is the year Schilling gets in. I think Bonds and Clemens both get about. Five to ten percent bump, and then get in next year, because that tenth year they'll they'll definitely get a surge. Well, see the 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 difference between this year and next year is that next year's ballot has David Ortiz on it, if I'm not mistaken, and he's going to be a unanimous vote. So that's just somebody that that's knocked off somebody's ballot. You know, I'm sorry, he won't be unanimous. A, a DH not getting Hall of Fame votes? I've never heard Andrew of that. Martinez <laughs> took what six years to get in? 
I thought he got in on his last ballot. Yeah, last ballot. So 10, yeah. 10 15 years. <laughs> There's no way. Plus, he didn't even have any drug tests. Test, or wasn't named in any reports, I'm sorry. So that could turn people off to voting Big Poppy. Yeah, I think um, with, with David Ortiz versus uh, Edgar Martinez, sorry, I, I feel like... Now that um, Martinez kind of got in before him, people are going to be way more inclined to vote Ortiz, and I think, um, yeah, he like he had the he had allegations like early in his career with steroids, but I I think he had uh, enough longevity to where they were doing consistent testing and stuff to where, you know, I I don't know whether he did or not, but I think people really weren't worried about it towards the end of his career, and. I, I like you said. I, I, he's not going to be unanimous, but I I would like to think that he gets in first ballot. But maybe people's minds weren't changed enough. Maybe they think the DH thing is still pretty prevalent, even though Martinez got in. You know, right? And I don't know. Dave, David Ortiz not getting in unanimously might be a stab in the back or shot in the back. You might say. Oh, that's not funny. <laughs> Saw that coming from a mile away, and it's you. You can make that joke because he's okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't edit out this pause, Blake. We need to keep this in, (laughs) so so the listeners can groan along with us. Right, right. Um, you know, I'll give him five seconds to just think over what just happened. All right, let's go. Um, They know what even. That, that was referring to any baseball fan that's over the age of 12 is going to know. <laughs> uh, anyways, I think or they can guess it with a shot in the dark or something. <laughs> uh, moving on. I'm outnumbered here. I, and it's both, I'm it's one Red Sox fan and two A's fans. That's unfair. You guys have you're, to disagree on something. To be fair, Blake, you're also dating an A's fan. Yeah, everybody in my life is an Ace fan, so I just you're it, no mercy. You stole Billy Bean. <laughs> Billy no Bean's mercy. not going to do anything for the Red Sox, bro. They just bought him out. Means nothing. Anyways, um, one thing that I that blows me away about the Hall of Fame ballot right now is that Billy Wagner hasn't gotten in. Yeah, like That's ridiculous. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Top three reliever of all time, right? Like, arguably, I I think the number one left-handed reliever of all time. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, think of anyone else? So, and the problem is that he did exactly what he was asked to do in in the era that he played in, the Mariano Rivera era. The the Rivera relievers era? were brought in. The closers were the closers. They only closed out games. They were just brought in from the ninth inning. They had nowhere to go up from there. They weren't pitching multiple innings. They were just pitching that one inning, and he did exactly that. And, I mean, maybe I don't – or maybe people don't agree with me on this, but I it, – it's my impression that – with the Hall of Fame and with awards, I'm voting for the person who did the best at their job. Not necessarily a contribution to the team. And the MVP award, sure, you can you can debate that. But with the Hall of Fame, I mean, 
I, what are we debating here? He was, like you said, he's the best left-handed reliever of all time. And he, he might not make it. Like, he hasn't been particularly close. No, last like, year he was at 31.7%. Right. And so, I mean, we just had Rivera be unanimous. It's, like... I think one thing that hurts Wagner a lot is that he bounced around. He played for, uh, what is this, five teams for his career? I mean, he, he spent a lot of time in Houston during the Killer B era, but after that, he sort of bounced around and was still really good, and I don't think people were paying as much attention to him over time. Right, and that's why I think, I'm hoping that as younger writers get into the uh, Writers Association and gets a vote, I hope that the mentality sort of changes because it, it really shouldn't matter how many teams you played for. It really shouldn't matter what position you played for. It's just, were you a Hall of Famer? Were you elite for your career? Like, Wagner is undoubtedly yes for those questions. Also, I hope Scott Rowland gets in. I mean, one of the best defensive third basemen ever and probably the best third baseman of his era. And he's just criminally underrated. Yeah, and... I'm yeah the Hall of Fame's it's a tough one the voters seem to be so stingy but like at the same time this would be the year for somebody who didn't have a lot of percentage to get in like you said because I don't think there's a shoe in on this ballot right now I think if you have enough people who put 10 people on there they're gonna somebody will get in hopefully right moving on we have a trivia segment is that right yep yep we sure do and and hopefully that hopefully we won't have to fact check any of the trivia questions because we already did one. For, uh, those, who, for those wondering, the trivia card that I have said Jose Canseco was a Hall of Famer. Yep. Which he's obviously not. He's most famous for a ball being hit off his head and being a home run. Right. He is not a Hall of Famer. I don't even. When was he on the ballot? early 2000s yeah so like and this this card was made in 2020 like yeah and it's that future hall of famer right so it it, that just has to be a misprint or something because then you would have no whoever made that card would have no concept of the the baseball hall of fame like it just there's so many reasons why that's incorrect but anyways let's let's try it let's let's give it our best shot Whose nickname is the Splendid Splinter? Ted Williams. Who's that? He's this really, really, really old baseball player, you know. Oh, and he looked like a splinter? That's why they called him that? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Whose nickname is Iron Horse? Cal Ripken Jr. Lou Gehrig. Oh. Cal Ripken's the Iron Man. Oh, that's, yep. There you go. Damn. That's it, guys. Blake doesn't care about ALS. Come on. Blake, Blake, wait. Let me see this. Blake, on the record, did you ever do the Ice Bucket Challenge? I did. I did. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I can clear my name. I I have it. I have the video somewhere. I might have to go into the... Okay, we're going to drop a link for that down under the podcast. You guys go check it out. Yep, yep. Um, Whose nickname is the Mad Hungarian? Al Herbowski. Yes, sir. What? Anthony, have you heard of him? 
I've heard of him, I would not have known that question. Bro, what kind of, you just pulled that out of your ass. Just like, so real, like, Al Herbowski. Like, sorry, I, like, what? You can't even spell it, Blake. Try. Try to spell his last name. Uh, I'm... Herbowski. Wait, say that again? Herbowski. Oh, this is gonna be so wrong. H-E-R-B... No, no, all right, all right. Crime dog. For Edmund Griff. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to find some some that are more geared for a Red Sox fan to help you out. Oh right, naturally. If an announcer is talking about the battery, which two players are meant? A C D C. Nine volt? <laughs> That's your catcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whose nickname is Mr. Smile? This is an easy one. Frankie Lindor. Yep. Is it that's it really? Yeah. I did Dodger. not know that. I didn't know that. Whose nickname is the Penguin? I don't want to butcher his name. Ron Say. Ron Say. I was gonna guess Danny DeVito. <laughs> Can we talk about that scene where he bites someone fa- someone's face? As the penguin? Yes. <laughs> you have to be clear because he could have done that and it's always sunny he could have done that in multiple things say, that... <laughs> that, could have been several, that could have just been him walking down the street yeah that could have been a real Danny DeVito thing <laughs> alright who's Nick Ryan I'm hoping you get this one whose nickname is Scrabble Dan Quisenberry Mark Rupchinski uh, oh yeah man former athletic what 90s baseball movie featured Benny the Jet Rodriguez? Sandlot 2. <laughs> no, Sandlot 3. Sandlot 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Because they, they flash back, yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Whose nickname is Mr. Cub? This is an e- easy one. Ernie Banks? Yeah. All right, the score right now, for those wondering, is a lot to a little. Yep, yep. Whose nickname is the Secretary of Defense? Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Ronda Rousey. Gary Maddox. That was close. Gary Maddox. Gary Maddox. Not Greg. Gary. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. Let's say it's tied. This one wins. Okay? <laughs> um, let me try to find a more difficult one. Do one that's not a nickname, like a. Okay. A lot of the regular base questions are pretty easy, so that's why I've been doing the nickname ones. That's yeah. That's fair. Okay, this is an interesting one. While playing for the White Sox in 1904, Claude Barry was the first player to wear what? 1904? He was the first player to wear what? Ryan, any guesses? Let's, well, let's do we each get Sunglasses. one guess at a time. Okay. Sunglasses is my guess. No. Blake. Cleats? Nope. Catcher's mask? Nope. Uh... Batting gloves. That was my guess when I first saw this question. A top. Protect the family jewels is the correct answer. Wow. Wow. Hadn't baseball been going on for like 20 years at that point? And nobody had thought of that? 1904 was the first soft baseball player to wear a cup. (laughs) I hope he got kicked out of the league. (laughs) 
Ty Cobb sharpened his cleats for him. Hundred percent. That's a that yeah. It's a Cobb move. Um. All right. He's actually the crippled man that Cobb tried to fight with fans. Uh, let's see. So why don't we move on to we'll go we'll talk some MLB the show and we'll move on to okay one I have a question what do you guys think they're gonna do with awards cards for this year like are they gonna release a card for each one my guess is no because I they don't really do that a lot of the times but what do you guys think I think that would be cool I just don't see it happening I agree I think it would have been cool but I think the way that they did finest it's just not gonna happen. I'd like to see that next year, though. That would yeah. be nice. Yeah, like next year we get an MVP. Uh, what's his name? I'm blanking. Freeman a, Abreu. Freeman, thank you. Or we get a Cy Young Shane Bieber or a Cy Young Trevor Bauer. But all those cards already have 99s, so I don't see right. them doing that. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense because you're just making a duplicate that's going to be like the finest card. Like Exactly. But I, yeah, I think... Yeah, maybe next year if they did it so that the awards, each person got a card. I think that would be pretty cool. And um, then also do the Team Affinity Tier 4 uh, finest, but make it fan voted. I think that was a big hit in the community, and they should bring that back. And yeah, Having I, the MVP cards would make sure that those guys got the cards right. that they deserve. They wouldn't have to worry about balancing anything. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, also, I, I kind of wish Finest was, I, I don't know, maybe slightly earlier. I, I feel like, although you have to wait till the season's over, maybe, I, I don't know. I just think, I, I feel like there was just a long gap between stage three and stage four where I was just, the only thing you really had to grind was the inning programs, and that didn't take that long, so. You could argue that you could do it in the postseason. But I think they wanted to for the postseason to finish for cards like mm-hmm. we got postseason Seeger versus if we didn't get that postseason Seeger, we would have got, probably got a finest Seeger. You know yeah, I mean? that that's true. So the, the, that's the nice thing is that they dropped those that postseason program, which honestly I think they could have dropped that a little earlier, as the postseason went on the world the Corey Seeger program, because they dropped the moments to get those cards right. If I'm not mistaken, from every. Uh, every series yeah but i feel but the first part of that program is like that 93 chris davis from the a's but i feel like that could have been dropped a little earlier so that would have been nice to grind before finest came but yeah moving on to the finest cards which is your guys's favorite so far um unpopular opinion my favorite by far i shouldn't say by far but my favorite is manny machado wow i I did like his swing using him in the showdowns it was slow but i got used to it and looking at it right here um i'm actually hitting 364 with eight tanks and 44 ab's so he's been one of my best offensive players since being added to my team yeah that card that card's amazing i just his swing just seems slow to me and that was kind of my same concern especially because i don't have the padres program that far it's at like 10% 10% so I kind of have to grind for him and I didn't know if it was worth it but after hearing that I mean I would reconsider if you get used to a swing it's no big deal especially that he has a very easy stance to get used to he's just slightly open and has a slight leg kick which mm-hmm. like I know you like 
having. So that's why I like him a lot. Um, My second favorite finest card is Jacob DeGrom. He's been my best starter since adding him as well. Yeah, I, uh, let's see, I, my DeGrom, like, I, I think I've only pitched twice with him, and one of the games, he kept it under control, but he kept giving up runs, and I, I really feel like the only thing kind of saving him is that outlier, that people have to start their bat slightly earlier, uh, and it makes the off speed even better, but I think without outlier, he's just like Garrett Cole, which is not that great of a card. I was worried about that too, but I played a game last night against a World Series player with the Grom starting, and I went seven, seven innings, one hit, uh, one run, three hits, and like ten Ks. So he could yeah, that's solid. Good players. Uh, to be fair, I was also locating very well, which did help. So that can be said with any pitcher, but I think he's a solid starter. Yeah, I think my favorite, I think my favorite so far has to be uh, Salvador Perez. I think. At catcher, there's not a lot of depth, and uh, his. Telling me you don't like Jacob Stallings. You know, I I I haven't tried him out. I can't I can't comment on that. But Salvi's swing is amazing. Like I, always comfortable at the plate against whoever I'm facing. His defense, he's a gold defender with a good arm. I had thrown out a couple of people in like one game. You he can hit against righties and lefties. Uh, I think my pick so far has to be Salvador Perez. Although Juan Soto is right behind him, I I think it's just the defense because like yeah. I'm I'm hitting Dan, like 400 with him and I still don't really like him in my lineup because I feel like outfield defense is crucial this year. Like that yeah, that gold shield in the outfield is huge cuz those off the wall animations um just getting to balls and having a good reaction time is super important. So I, I don't know if he stays in my lineup, to be honest. I, I think with Griffey and uh, Trout, Mantle, and I, I personally like Harper, but there's also Larry Walker. It's 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 hard not to have those guys in your lineup because you can hit just as well with them and then also have good defense. Yeah. As far as pitchers go, I do like DeGrom so far. I think I just need to use him more and kind of get used to his motion. And I... I like the Nick Anderson too. I think he's a solid reliever. Um, he's for whatever reason his motion's really hard to hit, um, and he doesn't even have a changeup. But he's you can still pitch with him against lefties. Uh, I do want to try out the Devin Williams. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was just gonna say I faced Devin Williams three times to- in three different games, and I've absolutely destroyed him. Yeah, I'm I'm worried that he doesn't have the pitch mix. I mean, the screwball's cool, the changeup's great, but. Fastball changeup doesn't work a lot in MLB The Show. No, his changeup is very easy to read. The screwball is definitely easy to pick up on because what I've seen, it hangs a lot. And the cutter has very little movement that it's easy to hit as well. Right. So I don't know if I'll actually be grinding for him or anything like that. What do you think, Ryan? Who's your favorite pitcher and hitter from the Finest Series? Favorite hitter has to be David Fletcher so far. I've hit uh, two no-doubt bombs with him online. I, I can testify to that. One of those is against me. <laughs> yes. I am not ashamed of it whatsoever. Absolutely mammoth of a man. He, he's he's everything you want. Power, speed. Ignore the ratings. He's 130 everything. Okay? He just plays up. He's the new Pepe Alizar is what you're saying. Yeah, Absolutely. I think he's way more overpowered than Pepe Alizar. Um, it's just not fair. Yeah, I think that what, what I think what happened. Pitcher, 
Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Say your pitcher first. Uh, pitcher wise, I've liked Liam Hendricks a lot. I haven't pitched with many of the starters. Marco Gonzalez is he's good at keeping people off balance, but they'll catch on to him. Same with Ryu. They're the same pitcher basically. I like Bauer's motion, but it's easy to locate, but it's also easy to pick up. So there's not too many good pitchers out of the finest cards. What do you guys think of uh, Lamette? Because I've seen some very polarizing opinions of this card. Well, Ryan Rage quit out of his first start with him. I remember that. So <laughs> uh, I was also starting seven lefties and or no six lefties and two switch hitters and then his pitcher. So sounds like it's my hard lineup. To pitch to lefties with Lamette, but I do like his pitch mix. His slider primary works well. Uh, I'd like to touch on Williams. The ratings look really great, but if you look into it a little bit more, he has a windup, which I discount for a reliever pitching out of the windup. It's not a very well-hidden ball coming out of his hand. And then the the order of his pitches, because his primary pitch is a changeup, which is supposed to be his best pitch. I don't really like that. I like changeups to be a third or fourth best. Uh, you mentioned his screwball, which is really hard thrown screwball, but it's his fifth pitch and it just hangs. Yeah. Looking at Daddy Leagues, I'd be sure that it has very little control on the pitch. Uh, for those of you who don't know and are listening, Daddy Leagues has it broken down by pitch type because each pitch has different velocity and control attribute on it. Uh, his his cutter is his best pitch by far. It's 10 miles off his fastball. And it, it is valuable, but he's just, you're going to see a lot of people with him at first. And then it's just going to wean off because he's not, he's not game breaking. Yeah. I think that it's really easy to look at his stats and this happens with a lot of pitchers, but you look at the velocity and the break and then there's 99s and then you've got the over a hundred um like hits per nines k per nines and you're like oh man this guy's gonna be great and then he's just hittable like at the end of the day you can locate you know mix up your pitches he's gonna be hittable and i think that's the difference between pitching and hitting in this game is with pitchers i i think it the stats don't matter as much as it does for hitters i think it it matters much more how hittable they are versus where hitters like you can have a great swing with somebody and break with them, but at the end of the day, if they have a weakness, that's probably going to show eventually. You're going to need like 99s, whereas pitchers, you're you're kind of relying much more on on how hittable they are. What whatever definition of that, you know, you you might accept. Speaking of relief pitchers, could we talk about the uh, run it back pack coming Friday? Yep, 99 X. Excited. 97 act. Wait, he's a 97? Same as last year, yeah. Same as last year, yeah. Wow. How does he not have a 99? Why did why not a 99? I'm just as confused on that as you are. Bro, it's gonna be late November by the time he releases and it's not a 99. Arguably what, a top five closer of all time? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's I don't know how he's only ninety seven. I think the last time he had a ninety nine, I didn't even have game i think it was when he was an immortal in 18 yep yeah 
the good thing that Eck has going for him is he's not again he's not very hittable like he's he's a tough uh card to hit even if you sit on one pitch um, he has a lot of movement and mm-hmm. he has a very deceiving motion yeah so he i think he'll be fine with the 97 i'm gonna throw him right into my bullpen no questions asked oh, i absolutely. doubt he leaves it um See, the rest of the year but this is what what i wanted to wait to bring up in the podcast who leaves my pen for Eck? So I have 99 Gossage, I have Liam Hendricks, Eric Gagne, and Raleigh Fingers. As your righties? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which one has to leave. I was thinking Gagne, but I looked at it, and he's been my best righty reliever consistently. I would I would probably go uh, Raleigh. Um, that's who I was leaning towards. I've used him the most, and I feel like people have seen him the most. Yeah, and he also has that sidearm kind of motion, and... I, I try and not have two guys like that in my bullpen just so that they're not seeing the same arm angle um, in the same game. Right. So I I would probably go with Raleigh. I also don't pitch that well with Raleigh, so Right. That's just I my mean, that's just my take. More as of recently I've been struggling with Raleigh too. So I think that is the right move. It just sucks though being an A's fan having to take out Raleigh. But But you're replacing him with Eck. So it's like Eck, yeah. So. Uh, Ryan, you have a question? Your hand's raised? No, I'm clapping now. Oh, you're clapping. Right, okay. You guys are killing it. Amazing. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for Eck. I think the bullpen has been, for me, my bullpen has been a struggle. I mean, pitching in general in this game for me has been a struggle, but the bullpen, it, the 99s come, they're hard to come by. And, you guys uh, have any uh, predictions for the other run it back pack? Uh, choices no i i thought Eck was gonna be an inning boss or something but now now they're saying that um we're gonna be able to get previous inning boss packs so is there like is there even gonna be a boss maybe it's just the previous pack i think it's gonna be the pack and you get to choose previous bosses throughout the program i guess that's okay i I, so, I, I would have rather just had another, like, new players, but I, what do you guys think about that? I agree, but I also feel like the run at backpack is just what would have been inning bosses, but easier to obtain and quicker. And with that being said, I actually have two predictions of what they could be. Two predictions of what two of the 11 cards could be. One being we finally get a 99 Justin Verlander. And two, we finally get that future stars, um, uh, Adley Rutschman. Oh yeah, okay. Because his his yeah. first one's the prospect, the prospect like ninety that was a World Series yeah. award, like the first one. So yeah, yeah. I I don't know who's gonna be in the run it back pack. I think I, I get it. It kind of seems just like a content dump. Like, well, we still got Eck and Verlander on the board, so we're just gonna throw them in the run it back pack and not do an eleventh yeah. inning. Like, why not do Eck, Verlander, and a third hitter or a third player that's a hitter as the eleventh inning program? I think they just have so many cards to still release. They want to just get it out now while they can. So uh, I was looking on Reddit a few days ago, and somebody released a spreadsheet of a bunch of players who we were expecting high overall cards for that we haven't got yet. Mm-hmm. And I think they could get, definitely include a few of these on uh, in the run at backpack. I'll just read some names off now real quick. Um, Adley Rutschman, Brooks Robinson, Eddie Murray, 
David Price, Wander Franco, uh, John Olerud, Omar Vizquel, Verlander, Bobby Witt Jr., who did he recently get a Future Stars or just the prospect? I think it was just the prospect. I, I could be wrong, though. Okay, Lefty Grove, who's going to be endgame. Uh, Roy, no, no, sorry, not Roy Oswald. Uh, Warren Spawn, going to be a great card to use. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> Bruce Suter, Fergie Jenkins, Jake Arietta, Ryan Braun, Bill Mazeroski, Willie Stargell, Jason Isringhausen, Luis Gonzalez, Targo, uh, Monty Irvin, and Willie McCovey. Okay, yeah, I think th- that a lot of those would make sense in the run it back because they're not like the premier legends that that you're gonna want for an inning program, but they're also like high diamonds that people could use at this point in the year. That w- that would make sense. You have to remember though that Arietta is uh, he's he, he kind of went into that uh, Kurt Schilling Aubrey Huff category. I don't know if yeah. we're gonna I don't know if we're gonna see a a, a flashback from him, but. It's a good card. He, I, I liked his cards in the past. I remember, I think it was fifteen. He had like a, he was like one of the best starters in the game. Like his life series yeah. was, and he was has crazy. his. He uh, he got the. I think in sixteen or seventeen, he started getting that the hardware card of that Cy Young season, and then you went to eighteen and nineteen. I think it was where they added the one twenty five cap, and the card didn't change. He, he dropped from like a 99 overall to a 93 because they didn't up his stats to update with the meta and or not meta but stat changes and it was just odd. I remember the community kind of calling out a couple cards like that. Like I think Ellsbury they did the same thing. And I know there were a couple others that were just kind of left untouched after the 125 thing. I don't really get that because like their stats didn't change. It was just the the cap's different, so you have to scale potentially every flashback, right? You can't just leave them the same. Right. So, I don't know. I think overall the content this year has been really good. I love when there's multiple cards to use. There's multiple versions of each card. I, I love the diversity. I, I don't want to see the same lineup every time. So, I, I think that they. I think one thing that they should do next year is go more into the... The, the like uh there were the version of the card from a previous game like the throwback cards the throwback cards yeah, yeah. because like the 85 modesty yeah there, there's a bunch of cards like that that would be really cool to use and you can relive your mlb glory days with a certain card you can diversify your lineup a little bit um, i'd love to see the uh, some live series cards cuz we had like live series gallo last year and the year before he was unbelievable like yeah that would be cool he was an immortal and if they brought back like kept the design of that year as what the live series looks like that would be really cool just nostalgia yeah i that that would be a cool idea Mm -hmm. all right well i think uh at this point we're sort of wrapping up does anybody have any closing thoughts don't drink and drive, Tony Larusa. Yep, that. Yep. Looks like he and didn't learn his White lesson Sox the first knew time about it when they hired him. White Sox knew about it. 
Yeah, that's a bad look. Yeah. It's also not just bad, it's stupid. Like, to assume that people wouldn't hear about it. Right? Like... Well, do you know who he is? Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer guy. <laughs> like, man, I, I read that news, and I was like, yeah, they, they said he got a DUI, like, you know, 10 years ago. And then, uh, you know, I, I looked at the tweet again, and I was like, oh my god, that was 2020. I was like, oh no. <laughs> like, oh my god. And yeah, the fact that they knew about it, still hired him. It's just like, I mean, are there consequences nowadays? Like, wh- like what's going on, man? And with, with Tony Larusa too, it's just not a good fit. Or at least, to the naked eye right now, it doesn't seem like a good fit. I think you gotta go with somebody younger, somebody with they can mesh with that team more, and then you hire a guy who has now multiple DUIs and, you know, said some sketchy comments back in 2016, and it, you know what, it's just coach, a mess. You know would fit well with them, with the White Sox team? Gabe Kapler. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got the whole younger coach, you know, let the kids play vibe. He, I, I, I agree with that. I think... I know people weren't too happy with his managing as far as like decision making, but when, when you're talking player relationships, I, I think it's going to be hard to beat that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Show and Go podcast, uh, where we bring you all of the Major League Baseball and MLB The Show content. I'm your host, Blake Anderson, uh, former World Series uh, champion, uh, MLB The Show player, former 12 and 0 one-time player in MLB 17. We're here with Ryan Jones and uh, Anthony Stellar Harder, and we're going to be signing off. Thank you.